as you pass There are signboards on the windows Saying, wait here, second class And to me, the whir and thunder Cluck of running gear Seems to be forever saying, saying Second class, wait here Wait here, second class Second class, wait here Wait here, second class Second class, wait here and the second class were waiting In the days of surf and prince Second class were waiting We've been waiting ever since Signboards in the background And the line is bare and drear As they wait beneath the signboard steering Second class, wait here Wait here, second class Second class, wait here Wait here, second class Second class, wait here I have waited often in winter With the mornings damp and dark The asphalt platform glistens Underneath the lonely lamp And I waited there and I suffered And I waited many a year And I slaved beneath signboards saying Second class, wait here Shop by the line The smell of railway stations And the roar of running gear And the scornful sneering sideboards Saying second class wait here Wait here second class Second class wait here Wait here second class Second class wait here Wait here, wait here, second class, second class, wait here, wait here, second class, second class, wait here, second class, wait here, wait here, second class, second class, wait here, wait here, second class, second class, wait here, second class, wait here. Lawson and I go back a long way. At the age of 10, I was tremendously excited to discover someone who described Australia exactly as I saw it. And 
more importantly, felt it. Dr. Gregory Bryan has just shared a John Schumann quotation from the website for the Lawson album by John Schumann and the Vagabond Crew. Today, we are fortunate enough to be joined by one of the legends of the Australian music industry, John Schumann, AM, a member of the Order of Australia. Now, John has had a long and successful career in Australian music, and from where we sit, we can actually see some, uh, some gold records, it looks like, on the wall behind him. So that's evidence of the success that he has enjoyed. From the mid-1970s until the mid-1980s, he was frontman for the popular group Red Gum. In 1983, John enjoyed great success with a song he wrote entitled I Was Only 19, which was based largely on the Vietnam War experiences of his brother-in-law. That song took Red Gum to number one on the Australian charts. I've Been to Bali too was another Red Gum song that did especially well. John then pursued a solo career for another decade or so. His solo album Etched in Blue was one that I used to play over and over again. Uh, some of the songs that I particularly enjoyed from that album were Borrowed Ground, Holy Mary and Safe Behind the Wire. And they were songs I loved in the late 1980s. For his services to music and to war veterans, in 2014, John was a recipient of the Medal of the Order of Australia, OAM. In the Australia Day Honours earlier this year, John was appointed member of the Order of Australia, AM. So welcome, John. It's a delight to have you with us today. Thank you. It is a delight to meet with you today. And in just learning a little bit about you prior to this podcast, it's clear that you are an admirer of Henry Lawson's work. And I'm interested, I think, to begin this conversation in finding a little bit about how you became interested in Lawson and his work. Um, when I was a kid, um, this was in the, you know, the pre-Cambrian days before um, screens and iPads and telephones, and I read voraciously. And um, it was actually, I remember very clearly, it was a family holiday uh, uh, on an old um, beach shack uh, in the sand hills of Aldinga, just above the reef. And it was one of those old sort of fishing kind of holiday shacks and, you know, linoleum floor and on the, the um, you know, the various surfaces around the place, there were the bits and pieces of other, other people's holidays, you know, shells and starfish and bits of seaweed and interesting bits of wood. There was a bookshelf and, uh, <clears throat> because I went straight to the bookshelf, and it had a whole range of stuff. There were some Biggles yarns and there was a, I remember there was an edition of uh, R.M. Ballantyne's Coral Island in impossibly fine print. Um, and there was a collection of Australian short stories, uh, which included Henry Lawson's The Drover's Wife. And it was that time when I, I read that story, I was absolutely captivated and very heartened that he was somebody who wrote about the Australia that I knew emotionally and 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 spiritually and intellectually and experientially um, and from there on I just sort of had a you know kind of an unstructured kind of loose following of his stories and poems and whatever I could get um, and then I enrolled at um, Flinders University 
and in the early 1970s, and I was enrolling for Australian uh, for uh, English literature, and I wanted to know if anybody, if there was an Australian literature component, and if anybody was teaching it, and I was directed down the corridor to a young lecturer rejoicing in the name of Brian Matthews, who this was his first, it was his first year there, and I think I might have been the first student to knock on his door. And uh, unfortunately, and very, very sadly, Brian died um, a couple of weeks ago, which is um, a great loss because we we built a friendship that um, uh, transcended the classroom and the years. And um, but anyway, I, I remember my first engagement with him. I I was a diffident, stammering young Catholic boy um, who found himself at, at university, and I I lent him his doorway and, and said to him, "I something you know." Very smart, like I, I hear you know something about Lawson, and uh, and he looked up at me from his desk and said, "Yeah, a bit," um, which actually was a, 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 a understatement of, of great magnitude because he was just putting the finishing touches to his thesis called "The Receding Way," which tracked Henry Lawson's, you know, physical and and and, and mental. Uh, decline and uh, um, in the context of of his output, it did not earn him the uh, unqualified respect and admiration of the Henry Lawson cheer squad. They came for him with knuckle dusters. But um, but anyway, notwithstanding that, he and I established a very close lifelong friendship. And I remember his his lecture on Lawson. Um, I was in the front row, and he. You know, he described how Lawson was found dead in the cottage in Abbotsford. Um, he'd had a, a, a cerebral hemorrhage and he, I think, as I recall, he died at his desk. And when he was found, there was a blowfly crawling in and out of his mouth. Now, that's a very unwholesome image, but it kind of spoke quite eloquently about where he ended up. And there was the image of the, you know, the sort of the long, lanky, you know, dry, laconic bushman. But in fact, you know, the more you delved into Lawson's life, you realise that he was a, a very troubled soul and battled with all sorts of things throughout his life, beginning, of course, with um, his deafness at the age of about 14. It is fascinating that uh, you discovered Lawson and were able to appreciate him at such a young age, you know, when you're only about 10 years of age or so. Uh, I think that uh, most people, and certainly I think most people today anyway, would have difficulty making the sorts of connections to his work that you were able to make uh, when you were so young. So I think that that's very interesting. It was interesting. I, I, I've often reflected on that at the age of 10. Why was I so moved by a short story? Um, I was in a very active scout troop when I was a kid. So we spent a lot of our time you know, sort of out in the bush. And so it was easy for me to project my imagination into Lawson stories and, and move around in his landscape because I was familiar with it. I think had I not spent all that time in the bush, even as a young bloke, I might not have been moved as I was. So this, this passion for Lawson is continued throughout your life and it led you in 2005 to um, invite a number of Australian musicians to work on and, and record an album simply entitled Lawson. 
it was released initially in 2005 and at the time living in Canada as I do I missed it and on many trips back to Australia I tried to get a copy of it but never could so I was excited in 2020 somebody from the Henry Lawson Memorial and Literary Society actually let me know that it had been re-released in 2020 and so so I was able to get a copy of it then can you tell me about the creation of that Lawson album Sure. It, look, it owes a lot to my very good friend, uh, David Manier. David was very successful in the advertising industry and he left it and he, I think, you know, by his own admission, he left it in a pretty solid financial state. David's, a, you know, a music buff, um, though he doesn't play or sing. He, he wanted to be the executive producer of an album. He wanted to do an album with a, a, a band called the Pigrums from up, up in Broome. And uh, the Piggies are, are sensational. I love them a bit. Anyway, we went to lunch uh, at the House of Chow and we decided that we weren't going to drink a lot. So we agreed that we would just have a couple of, we wouldn't even buy a bottle of wine. We'd just have a couple of glasses bought by the glass. Anyway, the conversation, you know, unfolded, meandered off into the afternoon and... I mean, in terms of the amount of wine drunk, we should have really bought a carton because we stumbled out into the, you know, the pale Adelaide evening light, you know, very clever. And he said, well, what do you want to do? And, you know, what would you do if you wanted to do so? I said, oh, mate, I'm finished. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and doing something else. I think I've had my time in the music industry. And, and he said, no, I think you're a talent. I think, you know, you really need to do stuff. Because I hadn't done an album for 10 years. And... Uh, Anyway, I said, well, you know what, if I really, if I was going to do something, because um, I haven't got any songs of my own written at this stage, I, I, I'd love to record an album of songs based on Australian poetry, you know, like Banjo and Henry. And he thought that was a great idea. And then um, then we we tossed around, somehow or other, the, the, the whole thing, the whole project focused in on Lawson because we... I don't know, we both felt that even though ban ban banjo stuff is, you know, is great, you know, um, you, undeniably terrific, but Henry was a much more interesting character. You know, uh, I think the old the old um, story goes or the old analogy goes that if, if Henry Lawson and Banjo found themselves on the same outback cattle station or sheep station, um, Banjo would be on the veranda having cucumber sandwiches and drinking tea from China cups with a squatter uh, and Henry would be rolling around in the sheep shit with the shearers pissed. Um, and I just gravitated to the guy who was rolling around in the sheep shit. So anyway, uh, we we settled on on Henry, and and then the next part of it was to choose the choose the poem. So we we spent lots of time together, really enjoyable. Um, and you'll be surprised to hear that it involved a few cool drinks because we are Australians after all. And we recited. The, you know, poems to each other and said, what about this one? What about that one? And we settled on the 13 or 14 that found their way onto the Lawson album. And it was David's idea that we get other musicians to contribute to the album. Look, I have a very distinctive voice. Um, it is one of those voices that you either, you know, you love or you hate, but in any case, it gets old pretty quick. So the idea was that we would, uh, dilute, you know, my nasal, shit Rafferty-like tones with some other singers. Um, 
Now, I've got, you know, I've been in the industry for a, a fair while, so I've got some really, you know, really good mates that I've worked with. I've, you know, established a really, you know, good, good close friendships with Shane Howard from Goanna, um, you know, is a, you know, is a great mate. We talk, you know, twice a week um, on the phone and we do stuff together and we write together and it's great. I, I you know, I love, I love um, being with Shane. He's, you know, we're, we're, we're kindred, kindred spirits like ex- ex-Catholic boys, you know, from the 50s and the 60s. So we just have that whole sort of cultural context which we share. And, and Robbie Hurst from Midnight Oil, who is a really good mate of mine, <clears throat> um, um, back, back in the days, you know, before Redgum and Midnight Oil were famous. So, um, um, so they, were, they were two Monty's. And then, you know, gradually, the, you know, the, 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 the invitation list grew. So we ended up with Russell Morris, who has become a really, really good friend. Um, with Broderick Smith, I, there's a great Australian band called the Dingoes, and the Dingoes actually ended up performing on one track. Just, just, it just happened. And uh, uh, Redgum, uh, well, most of Redgum performed on one track. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, no, it was terrific. It was probably the, the, the most interesting, best, most exciting project of my life. And it was terrific because David wanted to learn about the music industry and he wanted to learn about how it worked. Um, so I was his test case and this album was his test case. Uh, and he, you know, he um, was able to resource the album. So we didn't, you know, for me, I didn't have to worry about how I was going to pay the musicians or the engineer or anything like that. That was all done. And what that did was, you know, let me let me off the leash. And, uh, yeah, look, it was, yeah, it was a, it was a terrific pro- project. I mean, one of the, the, the joys of my life, absolutely. And I think I'm very proud of it. I mean, look, it's been done before. You know, I mean, lots of people have put Lawson's poems to to music, but we were working with Brian Matthews. You know, he was sort of the big kind of academic advisor to the project, and 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 Brian was quite genuine when he. I think he said, I think he wrote about about it in the booklet with the album. He said that you know there is an intuitive understanding of these songs that um, is not evident in in other very good, you know, terrific um, attempts to do the same thing. I was very proud of, uh, of that and that he's because I mean he's you know he's a he's a hard marker. You know, John, in listening to you speak about the making of the album, and in a documentary called "The Making of the Lawson Album," which I've recently watched in preparation for today's podcast, your reverence for the text and your closeness with the text including punctuation as an example from the documentary is extremely evident and as a lover of literature myself i'm i'm interested in the the balance or was there any struggle striking the balance between honoring lawson's writing and making it your own um, you- it's a really, it's a really good question, Anne Marie. A really good question. Um, first of all, look, I'm a punctuation Nazi. Um, <laughs> I love that part in the documentary. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of old school. Um, there were a few arm wrestles along the way. You know, I remember a conversation with uh, Karen Tolhurst, where we, you know, it kind of bit prickly. You know, I'm saying this is a poem, and he said, no, it's not. It's a song, and I, I knew where it came from. I'm, I'm a man of, 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 you know, literature as well as music and Karen is, and this is not to 
diminish him, but he's a man of music. Um, so there was a bit of an arms. Look, um, it's a very good question, and I uh, let me answer it this way. I, I went to to Bali to write all those songs. Um, David didn't quite understand why I had to go to Bali, but I have a very, very dear Balinese friend that I met when I was when I first went to Ubud in about 1975 or something. And he and I and the two families have bonded over the years and he's probably, given the demise of my own brother, he's probably the closest thing I've got to a brother. And he built a little, he's an artist himself, and he built a, he built a little sort of enclave uh, in the hills outside of Orwood, designed for, uh, you know, painters and writers and whatever to, to just have a retreat. Like it's a, it's a good solid, yeah, good solid three and a half star you know, pushing for stuff. It was fine for me. It was absolutely fine. And Krishna gave me the keys to an apartment, like a like a, a room. And um, and I had my books and my recorder and my guitar and my drum machine and you know a book and I and my laptop and I yeah, look, it was it was a challenge. You know, the, I could hear the thwack of the gauntlet on the table because. Having said that I could write these songs, um, I had no idea that I could. Uh, and David had funded this trip to Bali, and the reason that I went to Bali was because nobody knew who I was, so I could disappear. Everything was looked after, meals, you know, bed washing, clothes washing, you know, all that. So it was all done. I, all I had to do was work. But I really had to deliver. I... When I started to work on the poems that we'd chosen, I recognised that there was going to be a tension between the poetry and and a, a song. And Karen was was right in that sense, you know, these were songs. So while I tried to maintain the I tried to maintain the integrity of each piece of Lawson's work, I had to bang it into song shape. You know, I had to write. A bridge for it. I had to write an intro. I had to write, and and the other thing is like quite a number of those his poems, you know, went on forever, like faces in the streets, like war and peace, you know, and that wasn't ever going to work. So I had to do what I called a cut and shunt, where I would, you know, look at the narrative, get a sense of what it was all about, chop out the bits that weren't necessary, bolt them together. And then ensure that Lawson's intention, you know, his intent, um, the integrity of his intent remained. So that was that was a bit of a trick. And I suspect that had I not been so well versed in Lawson's work, and had I not had an intuitive understanding of what it was all about and who he was and what he was trying to say and where it came from, that I wouldn't be able to achieve that. Now that's blowing my own bags a bit, for which I apologise. But that's the truth, you know. I think, I th and I think that when you look at those songs, like "Faces in the Streets," I mean, lots of them. If you look at the original, you can see that I have have done what I call the cut and shunt, but I think quite successfully. And I think, I think in doing that, I actually helped kind of solidify, crystallise what they were about, but make them accessible to other listeners who weren't necessarily you know, wholly devoted to Lawson's work as I am.
fascinating to hear you talk about the decision process and the commitment to the text, the closeness to the text that underscored the decisions that you ultimately came to make and then are thus evident in the songs. There's another closeness, I think, that came out in the documentary that has been raised about you. And I think some critics or reviewers said something like, if Henry Lawson had a bastard son, it might well have been John Schumann. And I'm wondering what you make of that comment. And did, did <laughs> yeah, I'll stop yeah. there. <laughs> no, look, it's a good question. I mean, given uh, the way Lawson lived his life and the, you know, the, you know, the, def the dysfunction and the, you know, the defeated kind of world in which he lived, I, I, I was less than, less than happy about the, the, the um, sort of analogy, but I, I understood where it came from. And I think it was, I think it wasn't so much about Lawson. I think it was about, you know, being able to write uh, songs, you know, that, 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 that you get into the very heart of our country, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the people, you know, and and the and the landscape. Um, look, I it's really hard. Like I'm I'm almost seventy now, and I um, and I I, I it, you know it's, it's hard when you get to this ripe old age, you know, not to sit and reflect on what you've done and compare it to what others have done. And I look, I know others have been, you know, immersed in. Australian culture and, and 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 have reflected in their work. I'm certainly not the only one, but I, I think when when Redgum first hit the hit the airways, or we, well, we didn't hit the airways because we were blocked from the airways because they loathed and detested my voice. But hmm. but what I did was I, I consciously rejected that approach of Australian musicians at the time, which was to sing everything like a yank. You know, I mean, you know, they, it, 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 unless you've you've lived here for a while, I mean, they still do it. Um, but but I I think it was you know like a combination of the ten year old who read Lawson in that you know sandy old beach shack, and uh, the kid who subsequently spent most of his life or most of his recreational time um, out in the bush, you know, pioneering, orienteering, good camping, yada yada yada. Um, the, the kid who was a bit quiet and a bit thin and had a stammer and, you know, so, you know, lived in a world of books and literature because it was a safe place to be. I think all of that coalesced in something within me that was really able to, you know, to sort of put my finger deep into the, you know, the heart of my country in a way that, and I, I'm not dismissing others because others have done it, but I, you know, there, there's sometimes when I, 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 I look at some of the stuff that I've, I've written in retrospect, and I go, yeah, I got that. I actually nailed that. I nailed that to the wall. And you know, there's no other, you know, like you know, I, I try. I mean, I have much to be humble about. Believe me. Oh, believe me. You can ask my wife. I have immense amounts to be humble about. But you know, as I get older, and I can hear the clock tick. You know, I think, oh, bugger it, you know, like, yeah, I did okay. You know, I did okay. And I can see, I can see what others, you know, particularly thoughtful people saw in what, I, what I've done. And I think, and that, that capacity to, you know, reflect, you know, accurately, affectionately, 
intellectually and spiritually the heart of Australia was what Lawson did. You know, I mean, in in the show, you know, I've I've written the script with uh, with Brian Matthews, and you know, it's a narrative that runs, you know, between the songs, and and um, and at the end of it, I say something like, because I'm very aware that Lawson, um, you know, in terms of um, this woke culture, which you know, let me put on the record very firmly, I loathe and detest with every core and fibre of my being. But he was, you know, he was dysfunctional. He was an alcoholic. He was irresponsible. He was failed, defeated, and you know, just a screw up for whole lots of reasons, which psychologists and psychiatrists would be able to untangle now. But that's that's who he was. That's what he was. Over and above that, you know, over and above that, I forget all that stuff. He found our voice and he showed us how to listen to it. And I think that's what, that's a long tortuous way of saying, I think that's what that journalist was trying to, to say. You know, I found the voice, I found the timber, I found the temper of the times, I found the, I don't know. Now, you, you made mention, John, of the show, is what you said. And I take it that that's a reference to Henry Lawson, A Life in Words and Music. So we're coming up to the uh, centenary of Lawson's death on September the 2nd. And that evening, uh, together with the Vagabond crew, uh, you're putting on, and also the Adelaide Symphony Orchestra, you're putting on a show at the Adelaide Festival Theatre. So what can people expect if they go along that evening? They can expect, uh, I think, an accessible but deep and sympathetic insight into the life of Henry Lawson, uh, uh, related, you know, uh, uh, you know, like with various milestones along the way related to his poetry, the the work that that I've put to music, and um, and I think the narrative is. um, I'm really. We have done it a few times, and I'm, I'm, I'm really, really, really delighted to learn that it really works with people you know it really does i mean there are people who come along because they're john schumann fans and they've heard about lawson and they you know yada 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 and they you know all the bullshit but when they come along and they sit down and they hear the story and they then hear the song and then they hear the story and they hear the song they go away going wow that was amazing really amazing it was a you know very emotional excursion so they will get that, uh, and that, that's going to be delivered by the acclaimed Australian actor Richard Roxburgh, um, who some you might you might know where you guys live, but Richard is um, is absolutely sensational, and he is recently um, uh, played uh, Elvis's father in um, in Baz Luhrmann's film Elvis. Uh, he was also um, in uh, Moulin Rouge, right? Which I think is another Baz Luhrmann movie, is it not? I didn't know he was in Moulin Rouge, but my, my connection with him is that uh, he was in Danger Close, um, which was the film about the Battle of Long Tan, uh, which ended with uh, I was only nineteen. So anyway, so Richard, I, I'm sure, is you know going to bring that narrative to to you know sparkling life. And the, the orchestral arrangements are just sensational. I've got a violin player in my band, Julian Ferrarato. Um, he's bald, so he rejoices in the band name of Bollard. And um, he is just a genius. You know, he's such a, he's a lovely, lovely man and a great musician. But 
he he's quite young, you know, he's like younger than everybody's younger than me, but he's um he has the trust of the Adelaide Symphony Orchestra and he has written some orchestral arrangements that are just stunning, absolutely stunning. I can't believe it. You know, there are times when I've listened to the the synthesized versions of because we haven't played them with the orchestra yet, but but he sort of you know, he does it on a, a program that approximates the sound of the, the orchestra. And I've listened to them and, you know, I've had tears in my eyes. You know, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, I think it's going to be stunning. Absolutely stunning. Yeah, John, it sounds like turn. a fantastic show. I certainly wish that uh, we could just pop over for the evening. Well, you think what? you should. You know, you're a wealthy academic, Greg. You should just, you know, get on your lead yet. Bring Anne-Marie. We're good. We'll have a couple of beers after the show. Well, I was going to ask a follow-up question. I mean, I am a fan and proponent of live performance, live theatre, live concerts. It, but being in Canada, is there? do you know if there's any plan to record and distribute this performance? No, not really. Look, look, it's a bit of a... It's a bit of a it's a bit of a gamble, you know. I mean, it's a big thing. Festival Theatre, Adelaide Symphony Orchestra, Richard Roxburgh. You know, you've got a, you know, like it's it's going down to the racetrack, putting everything you've got on Ginger Mick in the ninth, you know. Um, but having said that, it's really about developing the show to proof of concept. And then what we hope to do is then say, okay, well, we've done this and we've got the lighting plots and the stage plots and the arrangements and the band and yaddy, 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 yaddy. And then we'll hope to move it around um, mm. Australia. So we'll go and do it with the SSO in the Opera House or we'll do it um, with the, the MSO in Melbourne or whatever. That That's the plan, um, you know, assuming that it works as well as uh, we hope it will, that, 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 that all the indications are that it will. Um, so, long answer to your question, which is at some point in time, we may record it um, and, you know, do a production, um, a video production, but I'm kind of less keen on doing that because these days people, you know, if, if there's something like that, then they won't come and see it. And it's very much, you know, it's very much about being in a crowd, in a theatre, in the moment, not, you know, sort of home with it playing on your home theatre while you fight with your kids to make sure they eat their broccoli. Right. I mean, there's a rawness to Lawson's poetry, a rawness to your interpretation of it, of it. And in a live performance, you get a rawness that just can't be replicated yeah. Yeah, through another form. So, yeah, I understand why. You, there's you something emotionally tangible about being in the room. Now, we probably only have time for one more question. And as a new loss, pardon me? I say particularly you know, at the length which I answer questions, sorry. <laughs> it, 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 fantastic. I, I've loved hearing from you. And maybe the how I'd like to end is just to say that the songs you chose for the album, I've now looked up all of the poems and I... I think they were brilliant choices. I'm I'm wondering, either from the the fourteen on the album or from Lawson's oeuvre more generally, do you have a favourite? Oh, gee, Anne Marie, that's like asking me to choose yeah. between my children. Um, 
you know, which one, which which one of my kids do I love the most? Um, <laughs> or, or among the different. top. No pressure. Look, they're all different. Um, I mean, there are times when I I love, you know, like at a funeral, you know, if I'm at a funeral, I what goes through my head is to an old mate. You know, when when Brian Matthews died, that ran through my head. When when my when I'm you know, sometimes I you know get in my Land Cruiser and I go off into the bush and you know drink beer and sit around the fire and whatever. Um, and I, I, I'm you know uh, what goes through my head there is that no rocking around because it's it, it's you know that song where we the band's name came from. It's very you know you could actually make a film clip today of no rocking around in in 21st century imagery. Um, faces in the street, you know when I when our elected representatives, you know, approach the Treasury benches and commend themselves on the stewardship of our national affairs, you know, I am, you know, enraged and I I really think of, you know, they lie, the men who tell us in such loud, decisive tone, the want is here a stranger, the misery is unknown. And then um, second class wait here, um, you know, down at the airport. Um, I mean, mercifully, I've been flying long enough that... Um, I'm now, you know, Qantas Platinum frequent flyer, so I get everything, okay? Um, but then I look at Jetstar, you know, and they're all queuing up and the, the whole thing cancelled and they lose their luggage and, you know, I look down at the Jetstar queue and I go, second class, wait here. Yeah, I don't know. Look, it, 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 I, I love all of them, you know. But I think, I think you know, if I was going to anchor my whole, you know, appreciation and, and and sort of passion for Lawson, it would be in the drover's life because those opening lines, you know, are, they're, just, they're just so deeply, deeply Australian that, you know, my little heart bursts. So a couple of the uh, favourite poems that you mentioned, To an Old Maid and Second Class Wait Here, uh, we use excerpts from those songs from your album, uh, for our podcast, and and we really appreciate your your kindness in giving us permission to use those for the introduction and the exit music for this podcast. So thank you very much for that, and thank you so much for your time, John. We've really appreciated it. People should know that tickets can be purchased; they are on sale now. Information about the um, Henry Lawson: A Life in Words and Music performance is available on the Adelaide Symphony Orchestra website and also on uh, John's website, which is www.schumann.com.au. So uh, people can find out more about the performance on those websites. Again, it's September the 2nd, 2022, and that, as I said earlier, will mark exactly 100 years since Henry Lawson's death. So that promises to be a great highlight in this year of commemorative activities to mark Lawson's life and death. Uh, and the album as well, it's simply entitled Lawson. That is still available for purchase. And so uh, Henry Lawson fans and others, just with an interest in Australiana and Australian history, I think will certainly thoroughly enjoy that album. John, you've been incredibly generous with your time and uh, we just uh, we really appreciate uh, your support for the podcast, your interest in Henry Lawson, and we thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you. I've, it's been, I've 
enjoyed every moment of this and there are interviews and podcasts that I've done that I cannot say the same about. <laughs> oh mate, in the gusty old weather When our hopes and our troubles were new in the years we spent wearing out leather yeah, I found you unselfish and true But I've gathered these songs together For the sake of our friendship and truth And I send them along Instead of the letters I promised I'd write to you I remember, oh man, I remember the tracks that we followed are clear The jovial last nights of December The solemn first days of the year Long tramps through the clearings of the timber Short partings on platform and pier I remember, old man, I remember The tracks that we followed are clear I can still feel the spirit that bore us And often the old stars will shine I remember the last brilliant chorus For the sake of that other lang syne When the tracks lay divided before us You'll pass through the future and mine I can still feel the spirit that bore us and often the old stars will shine You'll find in these pages a trace Of that side of our past that was bright And recognise sometimes the face of a friend Friend who has dropped out of sight And I've gathered these songs together For the sake of our friendship and you And I send them along Instead of the letters I promised to write to you And I send them along Instead of 